I'm humbled. I'm thankful to be able to stand before you this morning. I'm thankful for what our pastor preached a couple weeks ago, the importance of impartation. And I'm thankful to see what God's doing all across this world. Isn't it amazing? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to give honor to a few people this morning. Joe Sizemore, Pastor Sizemore. Yeah, that's good. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. If you don't know Pastor Sizemore very well, after church, you should ask him when you could set a time to take him and his family to lunch, take him out to dinner, get to know this man. I remember being a young man like you guys, and I remember watching him worship, and I remember watching him lead services, and I, I, could, I can even tell you how he would worship when he was up here. He would, he would put his hand up here as he sang, and he was so smooth. And I remember thinking, man, I want to be just like Joe Sizemore when I get older. He's been a great friend, a great mentor. I'm so thankful for your example in my life. I want to honor my family. I know that God is still working on me with patience because he gave me three kids, Peyton, Preston, and Ellie. I want to honor my wife. Let me read the text as what she told me to say. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jess, you're everything to me. I love you. Mom, thanks for being here. I know it's really tough with Donnie. Uncle Bobby, Aunt Pat, I see you back there. Brother and Sister Enos, when I go through hard times in my life, I look over and I see you guys standing there worshiping. And you know what it tells me? I can make it. I've heard the stories of all the things that have gone on in your life. And they're still here. They're still faithful. Hallelujah. Sister Buller, you're one of my favorite people in this whole world. When people pass away in my life, I take it hard. I dwell on it for a while. I want to make sure that I fully understand and grasp everything that they were trying to leave behind for us. And so over the past two years since Brother Buller passed away, I have asked several people in this church, over 50, and I said, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to, I want you with one word to describe Brother Buller. I want you to take a second. Think about it. Every single one of them have said something to this manner. Just kindness. He was a gentleman. He was compassionate. He was loving. He was caring. I remember being a young boy at Midwinters. We'd always try to get up front in the front row. And Brother Buller would come up to me as a teenage boy and shake my hand and say, Hey, Brother Aaron, how are you doing? How's your mom doing? How's your dad doing? And when he would walk away, I'd think to myself, how does that guy even know me? You see, what I realized in your lives, these people that I've honored, what you guys have allowed God to do is you've allowed God to refine you. And you've allowed him to take you out and put him in. So when people saw you, Sister Buller, and when people see Brother Buller, and when people see Brother and Sister Enos and Pastor Sizemore, you know what they see? They see Jesus. That's the kindness that they saw. That's the compassion that they saw. Today, I'm going to speak for the next few minutes. I'm not as long-winded as pastor, and the Bengals don't play till eight. So just sit back and preach with me. Our text is going to be Psalms 37, 23, and 25. As I was getting this scripture ready, I grabbed one of my dad's old Bibles, and he would write in here, and he would put notes of who preached what on what day and what year and what the title was, and this passage is underlined in one of his old Bibles from the late 70s and early 80s, 
And it says in here, the first Sunday night in the new church, Brother Sizemore, 9-20-81. There's a heritage here, church. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Psalms 37, verse 23 and 25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Let's pray. You can be seated. My wife and I joke that every pastor or every preacher, when he gives his title, he always says the title twice. You guys notice that? So I'm going to try to just say it once, be a little different. The title of my message this morning is Don't Squander Your Legacy. For several years before my dad passed away, he would tell me, Aaron, we can't squander the legacy. And he would point up at you, Sister Buller, and he would point at you and Brother Buller and say, they've left us such a sweet legacy. In 1925, God called a good man, Frank E. Kurtz, to start a church in the city of Cincinnati with about a dozen other people. The church that we now call the Tree of Life Church. In 1930, as the church grew, it moved to Colerain Avenue and was named Bethlehem Tabernacle. 1945, on the other side of town, 17 spirit-filled good men and women were led to have prayer meeting in their homes. My grandmother was one of the first people that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name in that basement. In 1945, God called Reverend E.G. Lowe to be the first pastor of this small mission work. In 1947, God chose a good man, Brother James C. Verdier, to pastor the Full Gospel Church. In 1952, Brother and Sister Verdier decided to resign and move back to Arkansas and pastor there. In January of 1953, God called a good man. Brother and Sister Sizemore to come pastor the full gospel church that later became Grace Point Church. In 1968, a good man, Brother Frank E. Kurtz, passed away after 43 years of leading this church. That same year, God already had a good man and a good woman, Brother and Sister Buller, waiting in the wings to be the next pastor of this church. In 2003, Brother Sizemore passed away from this life to eternity after ministering faithfully for 50 years in Cincinnati, Ohio. In 2021, our beloved Brother Buller passed away from this life to everlasting life after ministering faithfully for 53 years in Cincinnati, Ohio. Why the history lesson this morning? I'm here this morning to remind someone that we can't squander this legacy. Webster describes the word squander in this way, to spend extravagantly or foolishly, to dissipate or waste. I knew Brother Sizemore and he was a good man. I knew Brother Buller and he was a good man. I'm not talking about perfect men, I'm talking about good men. I'm not talking about men that never made a mistake, that were never wrong, that never got angry. I'm talking about good men. I'm talking about men that when they made a mistake, they knew where their refuge was. They knew where their strength was. I'm talking about good men. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about good men, and we're going to talk about how we can delight in the way. These good men knew where their strength came from. 
In your Bibles, you can read in Genesis 22 about a good man. Genesis 22 tells a story about Abraham and the command that God gave him to sacrifice his only son, his beloved son. You see, God had promised Abraham that he was going to be father of many nations and he was going to use his son Isaac. But in Genesis 22, we read that God called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And I remember all through my life reading this and thinking, what in the world? Why would God give him a promise and then tell him to go sacrifice it on Mount Moriah? But if you read in verse 3 of that passage, you'll see that God not only told Abraham to do it, but it says in the next verse that early the next morning he rose. You see, Abraham didn't discuss it with everybody. Abraham didn't call people until they talked him out of it. Abraham heard the word of the Lord and Abraham did what God told him to do. So many of us hear the word of the Lord and we think, whew, that's pretty heavy. Maybe if I call enough people, someone will tell me that, well, God would have never gave you that promise if he was just going to tell you to sacrifice it. Maybe some of us would say, you know what, that just must have been a bad dream. But Abraham, it says that early the next morning, and here's the thing, Abraham then went with his donkey and two servants and his son, and when they got up to the place where they were going to do the sacrifice, he told the servants, he said, stay here while me and my son go worship, and we're going to come back to you again. We've heard pastor preach it from this pulpit that it could be very well that Abraham was so in tune with God that he knew that after the sacrifice, God was going to be able to bring him back because he knew that God was slain from the foundations of the world. And that might be true. It probably is. Pastor's a lot deeper of a preacher than me. But today, I just want to submit to you this simple thought. Abraham was a good man. And he delighted in the way. We can read in our Bibles in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, has said, I've made a gold statue and I need everyone to come. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to play music and we're going we're gonna to have everyone bow down and worship. I, I, I pictured myself as a young man thinking, uh, how about we stay home from this? Because we know we can't bow down to this golden image. And we know if we do, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to want to throw us into the fiery furnace Let's think about these things logically, how, how we would react as people. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they showed up. They were delighting in the way. And when the music played and when the, the trumpet sounded and when everyone began to bow down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood strong. They delighted in the way. King Nebuchadnezzar got mad. He got outraged. He said, bring them boys to me. He looked down at him and said, okay, guys, here's the deal. I like you guys. I'm going to give you another chance. We're going to play the music again. I don't want to have to throw you in the furnace. J just bow for me, okay? That's how we're going to play things. Here's the most awesome response. You know what the three Hebrew boys said? They didn't say, it doesn't say in the Bible anywhere that they needed to consult about it. It doesn't say that they needed to phone a friend. It didn't say they needed to ask somebody else what the answer was going to be. It says that they looked at the king and they said, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. The God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. Are you thankful you serve a God that can deliver you through the fiery furnace? Are you thankful you serve a God that has been tried and tested? He's been battle proven. He's won every time. Are you thankful? But here's the part that's so hard for us, Brother Jeremy. You ready? Here's the next thing they said. But if he does it. It's easy to praise the Lord when every time you pray, your prayer is answered the way you want it to be answered. It's easy to say, oh, look what God has done. But what about if he does it? Can you still stand faithful? 
Can you still stand and give the testimony of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can you still say there's no better life than the life of Jesus? Can you still stand and say, I'll honor you and I'll praise you no matter what life throws at me, Lord? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You see, the boys were thrown into the fiery furnace. And they didn't know if God was going to make a way or not, but he did. He made a way. Has God ever made a way for anyone? Hallelujah, Jesus. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in the way. You see, as a young man, I would read this scripture, and I would think that it meant something maybe that it didn't. I thought that the steps of a good man were ordered of the Lord. And the reason why you could delight in the way, because God would allow you to dodge every bullet. And God would allow you to dodge every fiery dart of the enemy. And God would make everything okay. And every time anything happened, God would just bring peace and everything would be easy and simple. And God would move. But when I read through Abraham and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when I read through Job, I see something different. I see Job lose everything, including his wife's confidence in the Lord, to the point where she says, you've lost everything, and now you're sick all over your body. You have boils. Just curse God and die. And you know what Job says? No, I'm just going to delight in the way. He just keeps praising God when nothing is going his way. We can read in our Bibles of Joseph and God gives him a powerful dream and he's excited to share it with the ones that he loves, his brothers, his confidants, the ones he knows he can trust. And as he shares the story of his dream, his brothers betray him and he's sold into slavery. And I think to myself, well, where's the ending of this story? And we can quickly read through a couple of verses and we can see the ending. But Joseph's whole life was a wreck. He was a slave. His brothers told his dad that he was dead. Then once he finally thought God was giving him victory, he was thrown into prison. And then when famine comes, when hard times come, and when the people who sold him into slavery, when people abandon him, come and need help, what does Joseph do? Joseph looks at him and says, ha it's my chance now. Look who's got the power now. Nope. You know what he did, Sister Buller? Just like you and Brother Buller have done so many times. He was gracious. He was kind. They couldn't understand his kindness. They couldn't understand the grace and the mercy that he was bestowing upon them because they knew what they did was wrong. They knew what they did wasn't right. You can go through and you can read story after story after story of these good men. We can talk about the prodigal son and the father. Is there any fathers in the house? You know, when I read this now being a dad and I think of my son coming to me and saying, hey, let's just pretend you're dead. Give me half of what's coming to me. I'm out of here. I don't think my response would be, okay, buddy, let's count it up. I think I might say, who do you think you are? This is my stuff. I earn this stuff. You ain't getting none of this stuff. But that's not what the Bible reads. The father said, okay, let's count it up. When you come back, I'm going to be ready for you. And the Bible goes on to tell us about the prodigal son and he wasted it all away. He gave it all up. He spent it all. He wasted it. 
He squandered it. And when he squandered it all, when he squandered everything the father had for him, he knew there was only one place he could come back to where he would receive love and grace and mercy. He didn't expect it on the level that he received. He just wanted to be as the, as the slaves in his father's house because they were even doing better than him. But when he got home, his dad was, his dad was waiting for him. Hey, church, I wonder for just the next moment if you could just close your eyes. I wonder if you could kind of look with your spiritual mind right now and see them that are far off. You see him? Think about someone in particular. You see him? Oh, 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 whoa, whoa. Who's coming over the hill? I see him. I see him. They're coming back. They're coming back. And the father, as he saw him afar off, he said, Get the ring ready. Polish your shoes. Get the finest robe. Get the fattest calf. They're coming home. They're coming home. Church, we can't squander the legacy because the backslider's coming back. They're coming back, and when they come back, they need to receive the grace and the mercy of the Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I wonder if someone could just praise like you just saw them walk through that back door. I wonder if someone could just glorify his name. Go ahead and give him praise. Shawana, you put it on Facebook so I can say it. Where are you at? Shawana, we're so glad to have you back, sister. Oh, she got a button. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. My dad told me you were coming back. He told me to expect you to be late, but you'd be back. We can talk about good man after good man after good man in the Bible. But for the next few moments, I want to talk about a good man that I knew pretty well. I want to talk about my hero. My father. Back in 1974, when my parents were, my dad was 22 and my mom was 21 years old. They had only been married about a year. They were over at my grandma's house having dinner. My mom's mom. And my mom's dad had already passed away. They were having dinner and she hadn't been very, feeling very well. And she looked at my mom and dad and she said, I'm scared. And my dad asked, well, what are you scared about? And she said, I haven't been feeling very well, and I still have two kids that aren't able to take care of themselves. My Aunt Rosie, who was 13 at the time, and my Uncle Donnie, who was nine. My Uncle Donnie back there, the one we prayed for earlier, has been completely handicapped his entire life. Can't feed himself, can't bathe himself, can't go to the bathroom by himself, can't walk, can't talk. Easiest way to describe him is like a newborn baby. And my grandmother's sitting there talking to my mom and dad, and she's telling them that she's scared because if she's gone, there's no one that can take care of them. And as they're sitting at that table, something rose up inside of my dad, Brother Enos, a little thing called the Holy Ghost. And my dad looked her square in the eyes and said, well, you never have to worry about that. Because if anything happened to you, me and Linda would take care of Rosie and Donnie. I was 22 once. That's a tough thing to say. A few weeks later, my grandmother passed away. And my dad described this moment in time as his household doubling and his income being cut in half. 
because my mom quit working to take care of my Uncle Donnie and my Aunt Rosie. It was a monumental moment in my parents' lives. It was a weighty moment in my parents' lives. I had the extreme pleasure of being raised with my mom and dad and my sister and my Uncle Donnie. I got the top bunk. He got the bottom bunk. We lived in a small house on the west side of Cincinnati, a ranch, three-bedroom, one-bath. And if I'm transparent with you guys today, there were times as a young man growing up, as a child, like you boys here, I would see other families in the church, and it took me a while to realize not everybody had an Uncle Donnie. Some of the people that I had cousins and friends They had a little bit more money than we did. They might have had a nicer car than we did. They definitely went on more vacations than we did. And I would pray sometimes to God all by myself, and I'd say, God, why'd you put this burden on my parents? Why'd you you give such a weighty responsibility to my mom and dad? And I would think to myself, what they could have been if they didn't have this weight. And I would read Psalms 37. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in the way. Jesus. And I would try to understand it, but in my youth, I wasn't able to. When Brother Sizemore passed away in January, of 2003, I believe it was. I was standing in line. The line was wrapped around the building for the viewing. And I'm standing right behind my parents. And I saw so many people that came up to my mom and dad. And they hugged their neck. And I saw these women that I thought were prosperous in the world. Hug my mom's neck and say, I want to be just like you, Linda. And I would see him ask my dad, how is Donnie doing? And they would tell him that he was their hero. And I was sitting there at 17 years old thinking, my mom and dad are your hero. And for the first time in my life, I started to realize that God was showing me that this thing that I thought was a weight wasn't a weight at all. It was a way for my mom and dad to show every single person they came in contact with the unconditional love of the Father. I was starting to realize that maybe there was a lot more than this than not being able to have my own room. Last year, in the spring, my dad became sick. And we took him to the emergency several times, and we were trying to figure out exactly what was going on with him. And in March, we discovered that he had stage four kidney cancer. When we were met with this diagnosis, I thought about all these good men in the Bible. And I thought about how God ordered their steps and how they delighted in the way. And if I'm being honest with you today and transparent, everything hasn't gone right in our lives. But it did seem to me that for some reason, Brother Enos, when when our family prayed, God answered. You know, they told my mom and dad, hey, you'll never have kids. And then they had my sister. And the doctor said, you're so lucky. Take a million pictures of her because you'll never have another kid. And they did. They took a million pictures of my sister. (laughs) They took like six of me. I'm just kidding. That's a joke I always say to my mom. But they did. They took a lot of pictures because they told them that they'll never have another kid. Two and a half years later, they had me. 
And then six weeks after I was born, they found me in a hospital, laying lifeless at Children's Hospital. And guess what happened, Brother Enos? The church prayed. And God answered just the way my mom and dad wanted him to answer. And 10 days later, after the doctor told my parents that he won't even make it through the night, 10 days later, I went home with my parents. We serve a mighty God, church. Do we serve a mighty God? So all last year, I thought, when's it going to happen? When is my dad going to be able to stand up here and testify that all the cancer in his body was removed? Joe, will you throw up that picture for me, man? October 12th of last year, God started to reveal to me the second part of that scripture. The steps of the good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in the way. This was a Wednesday night. My dad would probably be embarrassed that I'm showing that because he would never normally come to church that way. But after losing 100 pounds, none of his clothes fit him anymore. This was about 23 days before he passed away. We were standing right out there. We snuck in over here, even though there were signs all over saying, don't go over there. And I was showing my dad around. And right as we were getting ready to walk out, Brother Canute, Brother Elms, Zach Glasgow's back there, and Pastor walked through. And I think part of the reason why I stepped back to take that picture is because I thought, here it comes. Here comes the miracle I've been praying for. It's going to be the first one in the new building. I want to capture this. And it might have been the first miracle. Because in that moment, God started to reveal to me the way. You see, this picture's alive, and you can see my dad's pointing in the sanctuary. And when he saw Brother Urshan, he said, oh, it's so great to see that beautiful facility. But he started to prophesy a little bit. And that photo is alive, and if I click on it on my phone, you can hear my dad saying, now when they come back, Hallelujah. Do you see them coming back, church? There's a reunion revival coming. They're coming back. My dad started to prophesy. And he said, now that's a great building. That's a great facility. The chairs are nice. But pastor, preach the truth. Preach the whole truth. Preach nothing but the truth. Not their truth, not my truth, the truth. Preach the way, pastor. Give it all to him. Don't water it down. Don't give him anything left. Don't give him anything less than what was the day of Pentecost. Preach it, pastor. My dad entered that service that night, weak in his body. And I can tell you, as we walked out those doors, my dad was fired up. You see, my dad could see something that at that time I couldn't see. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. My dad had a revelation of the way. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in the way. So I started to study the way. I started to study what this meant. And when searching through scriptures, I came upon John 14, 1 through 6. Read it with me, church. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be with me also. And whither I go ye know, and whither the way ye know. 
Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? I felt a little bit like Thomas. And then I read this verse. Verse 6. Jesus saith unto him. Who say it again, church? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Psalms 37 and 23 that I had struggled with and battled with my entire life took on a new meaning to me in that moment. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in Jesus. So then I started to understand how Abraham heard from the Lord and the very next morning he got up and started chopping firewood because it wasn't the path that he was on that he was delighting in it was the way that's why I had him sing that song again because we don't worship him because of what he's done for us we just simply worship him because of who he is Joey, throw that last picture up there for me again. So how was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego able to look at the fiery furnace, look at death right in the face, and be so bold when they talked to King Nebuchadnezzar? How was my dad three weeks away from death and being able to proclaim the goodness of God? How was he able to declare that Shawana was coming back and so many others? How was he able to do that? I'll tell you how, Brother Enos. He understood that the steps of a good man or order the Lord and that he could delight in the way. Jesus. We can't squander our legacy. We can't squander this legacy. Brother Buller and Sister Buller worked too hard. We can't squander this legacy. Brother Sizemore put in too much time. The elders that gone on before us had too many prayer meetings. November 2nd. Two days before my dad passed away, my mom was exhausted. She had stayed up in a chair next to my dad all night. And just like any profession, we had some, we had some uh, good nurses and we had some great nurses. We had some good nurses that did their job and we had some nurses that you could tell it was their calling to be there. Well, going into November 2nd, the day before in the night, we just had a good nurse. We just had an okay nurse. But that's not the way my mom does anything, if you know my mom. So she sat there by my dad all night and hardly got any sleep. And so when we got there November 2nd, she said, hey, guys, we got to pray. Tonight, tonight we need a good nurse. Tonight we need a compassionate nurse. Tonight we need someone who can really be there to take care of your dad because I just can't do it again tonight. So all day long, every opportunity we had, we were praying for God, send us the right nurse. God, bring us the right nurse. We need, we need a nurse that's going to be compassionate. God, I need someone that's going to take such good care of my dad that my mom can sit on the couch for a little while and take a nap because she wasn't going home. So we did. We prayed. And that shift changed that night. Guess what? God sent us a great nurse. Sister Marlo, I got to tell you, I had a struggle with it, though. When the nurse got there, as soon as she walked in the room, I felt the presence of the Lord, and he said, pray for her. I'm just going to be transparent. I, I wrestled with the Lord, Brother Enos. I said, what are you talking about? Pray for her. She, she looks in good health. She's doing all right. Don't you see my dad here? Did you forget what we're doing here? Did you forget why we were praying for the nurse, Lord? And she sat there for 45 minutes as we peppered her with questions about what's this mean and what's that mean and what's going on with this and what's going on with that. And she just kept answering and answering. And as she was answering, I was wrestling with the Lord. 
She said, do you guys have any other questions? Brother Dave, you were there. We had no other questions. And I I said, ma'am, would it be okay if we just pray for you for a few moments? She sunk down, she broke, and she said, this is my fifth night on night shift. That's the most nights in a row they'll let you work. She was like, I'm exhausted. And she said, my home life is chaotic right now. Nothing seems to be going right. And she said, and I have to separate that. And I have to come in here and try to be a compassionate nurse and take care of your father. She was like, I would love it if you prayed for me. Oh, Jesus. Peyton, come here. My dad was laying in the bed. And when she was, when we were done praying for her, she, she thanked us. She said, thank you very much for that prayer. And here's what she did. I'll never forget it. Oh, God. My dad was laying in the bed and she knelt down and she, she hugged him kind of like this. And she looked my dad in the face and she said, sir, thank you for being here so I could receive that prayer. You know what I heard, Brother Enos? Delight in the way. In that moment, God showed me that he knew exactly where we were. And although we thought we were praying for a great nurse to take care of my daddy, we were praying for a great nurse that needed Jesus. One year ago yesterday, my dad, my hero, a good man, passed from this life to everlasting life. Joe, will you throw up that last picture for me? Many of you probably remember him like that. With a white handkerchief. But a lot of you might not know the reason why he had that white handkerchief. I want to tell you about a message that an evangelist preached one time when I was a boy. He talked about Abraham in Genesis 15, 1 through 11. After these things, the Lord, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said unto the Lord, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted unto him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them into the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. Verse 11, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. The evangelist proclaimed during that message that the fowls of the air will come when they think something's dead. And when people are lost, would there be anyone that would be willing to Fight the vultures away. So when you saw my dad waving that handkerchief, you know what he was doing? He was fighting the vultures. 
He would say, no, 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 no. You think they're dead. They're just sleeping. (laughs) You think they've messed up too much for his goodness and grace? Nope. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. He saw many a people who walked away from this faith. And when he was waving that hanky, he was letting every demon in hell know, as long as I got this hanky, you can't have them. Get away. Sister Marlo, come here, please. Your mom gave you a sweet legacy. If it weren't for her, you and that good-looking boy of yours wouldn't be here. But there's still more people that she prayed for that ain't back yet. Don't squander the legacy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mark Purdy. Come here, Mark Purdy. I've seen it with my spiritual glasses. Your mom and dad and your brother and sister worshiping at this altar. Don't squander the legacy. Weston, your grandma and grandpa Left you such a sweet legacy, son. Listen to me. Don't ever turn back on this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Brother Enos. Don't worry, guys. I got 500 of these. Give one to you and Sister Enos. Both of you. Brother Enos. Man, if you don't know this great man, get to know him. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's given his whole life to this calling. We can't waste it. (laughs) Jamie Diley, will you come up here and get one of these? Jamie, I remember your dad coming to my house and when he would do electrical work for me, after he was done, we talked for way longer than it took to do the electrical work. And he would tell me to pray for his son, Jamie. Pray for him. Pray for him. He knew you were coming. He knew you were going to be here. We can't squander our legacy. Could we all stand right now? Joey, you got Hebrews 12, 1. Did I give you that one? The night my dad passed away, we could tell that it was getting crucial and I was sitting in the waiting room and I just felt like the Lord was wanting me to just study this scripture. I've heard it preached and taught my whole life. But it says, wherefore seeing we also our compass with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily, easily beset us. 
And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I started studying that on my iPad in the waiting room. My phone rang and it was my mom and she said, your dad's breathing just changed. You need to come back here. You see, if any of you know me from my youth, you know that every time I did something, my mom and dad were there and they brought Uncle Donnie. Every ball game, every event, even when I became a man, my dad would call me and say, hey, what time's your softball game, son? I'm going to be there tonight. I loved it. And in that moment, it was almost as if God was telling me that he was still going to be there cheering me on. And Brother Sizemore, last week, when you were preaching about the keys to the kingdom, I looked out those windows. And I saw my dad standing next to Brother Buller, standing next to your grandpa. And I could almost hear it. I could almost hear my dad saying, Hallelujah! I could see him saying, That's it, Joey. Just like your granddaddy did. Give it the whole truth. Preach the whole gospel to every creature. If you would come down to this altar, whether you wave the hanky, whether you put it close to your heart, I want you to grab one of the handkerchiefs out of this box. I want this to be a memorial. I want it to be a memorial to this church that we never squander the legacy. Now, there might be some of you here today that say, I don't know who Brother Sizemore is. So good to see you, man. I love you. You might be here thinking, I don't know who Brother Buller was. I want to read a little scripture to you. It's Acts 238 and 39. Do we have that, Joey? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here's the one for you. Here's the one for you. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If it's your first time here today, I want to let you know that your legacy started over 2,000 years ago. We say it all the time. You come one time as a guest. After that, we just claim you as a part of our legacy. Young people, older people, Uncle Bobby, where's Uncle Bobby? Uncle Bobby, I love hearing the stories of the old times. Uncle Bobby will tell you about stories where every single Saturday, every Saturday, you know what they did? They watched football. No. Every single Saturday, they would go down into the terrible neighborhoods around the city and they would fellowship with the young people. So that way on Sunday morning, they could fill up three buses and bring people to the house of God. I've heard stories of all night prayer meetings because a young lady called someone and said, we got to pray. We got to pray. God's got to move. If we're not careful, church, we'll squander the legacy of the ones that have gone on before us. I'm calling you to a place, a deeper place, a secret place where we don't want to waste one moment. We don't want to waste one moment in his presence. We don't want to miss one opportunity. My dad said this so many times, it drove me nuts. When he was talking about Brother Wheeler or Brother Isaacs, you know what he'd say, Uncle Bobby? He'd say, they were there every time the doors were open. Every time these doors are open. And right now, church, I'm preaching to myself. This is something that has been heavy on myself. But every time these doors are open, 
and you prioritize something else over God, you're wasting a little bit of that legacy. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in Jesus. So here's what I learned. Here's what this lifelong journey has taught me. I can delight in the way when he heals Jared's body. When the doctors tell us that Jared won't make it out of intensive care and God heals him, I can delight in the way. And when God does it, heal my dad the way I want him, guess what? I can delight in the way. Because it's simply because who, who, who he is is why I sing. Who he is is why I praise. And I figured something out, church. You ready? There's only one way that we can squander the legacy. Only one. You ready for it? There's only one way. Because you can fall and the righteous man gets back up again. You can make a mistake. You can leave the church for 50 years and on your deathbed come back to the Lord and he'll show you mercy and grace that you never felt before. There's only one way. If we give up. Not me. I'm not giving up, Jamie. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. We're getting ready to sing this again, and when they do, I want you to get someone in your mind who's not here today, that you want to be here today, that you need to be here today. And I'm going to tell you something that God told me. I feel like God spoke this to me. There are people that we know of that have left the church, and they are out in the world, and they are far from God. And God's allow them to do that, and here's why. Because when this reunion revival comes, they now have encountered people that I would never encounter. And just like they post on Facebook of all the things that they're doing that are sinful, they're going to start posting things like Shawana did about the goodness and the grace of God and how it feels nice to be home. Does it feel good to be home, Shawana? And what's going to happen, just like when Lazarus was raised up from the dead, people are going to stumble in here and they're going to say, I thought, I thought she was dead. I, I, I thought he was too far gone. How come every time they post now, instead of it being depressing and all these other things, it seems like there's joy in their life. How come they seem happy now? I feel like I don't know that person. You know why? Because there's going to be some people at Tree of Life Church that say, hey, Satan, you think you got them? Get away, Satan. You can't have them. There are parents here today that you dedicated your kid at an altar. You sacrificed your kid at an altar. And you think the enemy stole them. Not today, Satan. You can't have my child. You can't have my kid. Call out their names. Proclaim their names. Hallelujah. Come on now, church. Delight in the way. Proclaim it. Let your faith be increased.
You are good, yeah. Oh, your mercy is mercy You are good. If you know that to be true, why don't you lift your hands all across the right now look at them and tell them I will not squander the legacy thank you brother Aaron for sharing your heart with us today thank you for that powerful word that's a word that'll go with us that's a word that'll sustain us amen if you're thankful for the word why don't you clap your hands to it right now Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for what we have felt in this place today. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word has penetrated our hearts and entered into our ears and into our minds. God, I'm asking now, Lord, that we would apply it, God, that we would take it with us as we leave. God, that, that we wouldn't squander the legacy. God, that we wouldn't let those things go. God, that we would, that we would wave that hanky and protect the sacrifice. Oh God, I'm asking now, Lord, that you would help us to rise to the occasion, that we would join that great cloud of witnesses, God, Lord, in worshiping you and honoring you and honoring your word. God, go with us now, Lord. Minister through us and to us. Bring us back at the next appointed time. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you today. Thank you for being at the Tree of Life Church. Amen. Hug on somebody, love on somebody, encourage somebody today to not squander the legacy. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night in Jesus' name.